Welcome to the John Corbin Podcast. My name is John Corbin. This is a show of meaningful conversations where I sit down with artists, thinkers, and interesting people to tell stories on the themes of creativity, inspiration, community, and learning together. You can find out more about the podcast at my website, johncorbinmusic.com, and you can find me on social media. My Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram handles are at John Corbin Music. That's J-O-N-C-O-R-B-I-N. That's right, there is no H. Finally, we are Patreon-supported. You can find out more at patreon.com slash John Corbin. Your Patreon support is greatly appreciated. It not only allows the show to keep running, but allows it to reach for higher levels. If you want to provide monthly support, there are no tiers. You can just pay what you choose, and that gives you access to bonus material around the podcast, but also exclusive creative work like new songs, poems, essays, and a whole lot more. It's the John Corbin Podcast. I am John Corbin, here with my special guest. Who are you? Hey, I'm Chad Cecil. Uh, I'm a dad to two little girls, Julie and Margot. I'm a husband to Jen, the lovely Jen. Uh, I'm a singer-songwriter. And uh, I live in Ottawa, um, known as the um, unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe people. Yeah, that's me. Welcome, Chad. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, John. I'm so happy to be here, man. Chad, what do you do? <laughs> what do I do, man? Uh, for for work, I, I I work for a church uh, called St. Albans Church here in Ottawa. I'm the uh, young adult pastor and uh, music director. Yeah, so uh, I have the opportunity to work with that community, with that spiritual community. And then, uh, yeah, first and foremost, I think I'm a, I'm a husband and uh, I'm, a, I'm a parent, you know, trying to figure mm-hmm. this thing out. So, um, yeah, and I write, write some music. That about sums it up. Try to be a good friend right now to the people in my life and uh, uh, trying to keep my wits about me right now. So Yeah, in a, in a crazy season for sure. No kidding, man. Chad, who do you hold close? I hold my kids close, man. I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, this past year has been interesting on, on so many levels, but, you know, I think uh, I can't imagine it uh, without them. So my two little girls, I hold super close. Uh, you know, they they bring me life, bring me so much joy, bring me so much happiness, exhaust me to no end, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, I can't imagine it any different, any differently. So they're who I hold close for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of giving in parenting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More, more than they tell you. <laughs> it's true, man. There's, you know, they, they tell you, they tell you about sleep. Um, yeah. they, they warn you about the lack of sleep, but they don't tell you how much sleep plays into everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, man, a lot of giving for sure. Uh, I was at a show in, it, it, it would, may have been 2019 
Uh, and I was talking to one of the artists there. I was DJing for the night and they were saying, you know, the, you know, the number one indicator or like trait for people that are resilient is sleep. And, and this, this person said this and I'm like, they're not an artist or they're not a parent. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, that's, thanks for telling me that. Like right. that's, not, that's not happening. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah, definitely, yeah. man. Rest, you know? I mean, I tried to lie my head down today. I tried to get a squeeze in a nap, but like, I couldn't do it. Like, I just, like, I, my body was like, I was so tired, but I just couldn't wind down huh. quick enough to sleep. And then you get thinking about sleep. Yeah. And then you can't sleep. You can't do it. You know? And then by that time, the kids are ready to go again. <laughs> so you're like, shoot. Uh, and you you have young ones, right? Like my mine are uh, six and up, but you you guys are younger than that. So yeah, yeah, two and a half, and and just turned one year. Yeah. So yes, yeah, they need us. Yeah, uh, but yeah, man, we're we're holding up one day at a time. Uh, that's that's all you can do. So that's it. All right, Chad, what inspires you? Uh, getting outside, man. Being outside, being in nature, breathing in the fresh air. I mean, we're all cooped up, you know? So for me, to be honest, getting outside and just taking in my surroundings, trying to connect with, with nature, uh, trying to be attentive and observe uh, the land, uh, nature around me, to listen, um, to feel to reach my hands out. Like today, uh, my, my daughter and I went out and picked, picked some uh, cedar branches. And uh, I, was, I was trying to explain to her the difference between cedar and pine. <laughs> For a two and a half year old, I was two you know, and trying to tell the difference between cedar and pine, you know, and we weren't really getting it. But, but you know, for me, um, being out there and having, feeling the energy and it's tactile, it's a lot, it's alive. Okay. Uh, the, the, the land is, is active and it's giving uh, and it's receiving all the time. And so I think, I think being outside inspires me and observing other people and how they're interacting with one another, you know, as well as just uh, hearing stories of, of people's, uh, their own ways of uh, being true to themselves. Yeah. Those kind of things inspire me. Um, so yeah, but right now I think it's it's mainly getting outside and uh, breathing in the fresh air and and allowing that to to kind of form me. That's big. That's really big. Yeah, Chad, describe yourself in one word. <laughs> uh, right now, uh, yeah, I'm going to use a word that's probably summed up the last couple years for me. Um, but I would say reclaiming. Yeah. Yeah, reclaiming. And I don't know if you want me to talk any more about that, but sure, uh, unpack it, man. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, reclaiming is this idea of taking back or, uh, you know, bringing back something to its original place or, uh, you know, this idea of restoration. And, you know, I identify as, as native. Um, and I didn't grow up. Uh, immersed in uh, native culture. I didn't know, um, I wasn't really connected to um, our Cherokee heritage. Um, I grew up very much immersed in 
a very loving community, but a, a very um, white-bodied community, uh, and okay. one that uh, didn't didn't think Native people were really here, <laughs> and didn't really right. um, really had no concept of it. Uh, you know, their understanding of Native people was uh, your your general stereotypes, right? That you see in a lot of sports teams. Shout out to the Super Bowl yesterday with the Chiefs. <laughs> um, yeah, the last couple of years have been uh, with a with a serious um, convergence of, uh, I think, things that have happened to me personally, as well as some cultural reckonings, as well as having kids. You kind of, all these things kind of came together where I was like, you know, what's the story that I'm passing along to my kids about who yeah. who they are, who I am, where we come from. Um, so that's kind of come with a lot of unpacking, a lot of embodiment, uh, doing a lot of work, doing things that are, that, that are intuitive to me, but growing up, uh, I would have had no construct or context for this stuff. And so now as an adult, when you can really start kind of taking ownership of who you are as a person, and what you're about. Yeah, these last couple of years have been real reclaiming of my of my heritage and what it means to be native. And so I'm figuring that out. It comes with a lot of grief. It comes with a lot of uh yeah. a lot of uh, anger um from what we what I wasn't given, um for what we weren't given and the continued sort of erasure that happens with um with indigenous people, with native people. Um, and so, yeah, I'm tackling that own sense of erasure in my own spirit, in my own body um, consistently. So yeah, man, so reclaiming, that's my word. Um, there's a lot there. Um, there's a lot I feel yeah. there. Even talking about it is like, it feels natural, but it also feels wild to me to kind of sure. be in this spot. So yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I really want to honor uh, you sharing that and um, and sh- and sharing that with me and with us like that's uh, I, yeah you talked about you know people's stories being inspiring and you're I think you're walking right down that path of, of finding your story and being willing to share it um, I want to honor that yeah we're, we're gonna get into into that today uh, I think when it comes to my story I I, uh, I have some observations and some questions of our time knowing each other because mm-hmm. um, I think that uh, my, my brain, uh, struggles to, to register time. Like once, once I know you, I know you, I don't remember like, <laughs> you know, what, what was the date that we met? Um, I, I remember stories. That's kind of why I wanted to do this show is just to be able to tell stories, but I sort of watched you walk through some of that. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a valuable story for people as well. So, I ask people to describe themselves in a word, and then I say, do you want to know how I describe you to other people? Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, man. <laughs> and how often you're just, how often you're describing me to other yeah. people. <laughs> how how much does Chad come up? Well, I tell stories. We've you know, we've we've done some stuff. Uh Chad Cecil's honest. Mm. Like I I don't know if there's I, I need a better word than brutally honest because that's not because it's the wrong like like you you are honest about your journey in a in a way that I find sharpening 
and honoring and intriguing and affecting and um, educa- educational or educating. I don't know if that's right. Ed- educational. Like you willing to, to share your opinion gives me pause, makes me think, makes me measure that against myself, against my own instinctual reactions. I'm watching you from a distance because we've, you know, we've been in, we've we've been in the same room just a handful of times. Um, you know, we text and connect phone calls when we can. We've known each other only for a couple of years. But I'm watching you share and I go, you know, if I need to tell someone about who Chad is, I'm going to say singer-songwriter and I'm going to say incredibly honest. Mm. Incredibly honest. Now, this wasn't on my radar today, but I I watched you unfold a song called We're Not Okay Yeah, to a yeah. Christian audience in... <laughs> in Hamilton in, oh boy, tw- the fall of 2019? Yeah, 2019, man. It feels like 10 years ago now. Doesn't it, though? <laughs> yeah, I can't really even does. frame those things. Like, yeah. like I remember hearing the demo, because um, I was supposed to be a part of the band. It didn't work out. I remember hearing the demo, and you know, it was am- in amongst an, a bunch of demos. And then when you finally sit with it, and you go, we're going to take this into a Christian space, and say... I- Ah, we're not doing that great. <laughs> that's bra- that's bravery. It's honesty and it's bravery being willing to share that. And so like so yeah, if your name comes up, I'm like, yo, you you know, this guy is living living an authentic life. Uh and I I would love it uh if if there was some kind of like photo book of the selfies that you've been taking over the last 2 years. Cuz you <laughs> You post them on socials. Yeah, yeah. Your your Facebook in general? Yeah. (laughs) Like you post them and it's just all on your face. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Like for better or for worse. And I I remember I had a friend, you know, I call him a big brother um, in music um, who's like, he, this, you know, years ago we were talking on the phone. He's like, yeah, I want my next album to cover to be just me crying. (laughs) <laughs> wow okay that's honest exactly and it was like oh wow that's really bold who's who's gonna do that right 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 and, and i'm like right for real and when i see when i see you mm-hmm. and i see those selfies i'm like it's all there it's good it's bad it's pain it's joy it's all there and i just am so thankful that you're willing to bear that so that's what i say about you thanks man my grandmother used to say I know exactly where you're at when I just look at your eyes. Interesting. And she said to me all the time and I'd be like, Oh shoot. Like, well, I just got to walk around my eyes closed then. Cause you know, uh, but that's interesting. You say honest, man. I think, uh, I don't know. I, cause I feel, I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes when you describe people who are honest, I, I may be the person who hears that like for myself, like, even when I wrote that song, like I'm trying to articulate things that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know any other way, like any other way of like, not for me, not being honest. It just it ain't going to work. But I think it's interesting for you when you say selfies and see photos that, you know, cause I, yeah, the face, the face tells a story, right? Yeah. So I appreciate you, you telling that to me, man. That's interesting that you, your reaction with your grant for your grandma yeah. We're actually, we're kind of, I think we, I was like, I recognize my reaction in yours where you're like, I got to walk around with my eyes closed. Don't see me. <laughs> right. Don't see right through me. Right. For sure. 
where's my guard? Where's my protection? Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a, that's an insightful question, man. I mean, I think there's an, I mean, I think there's an element of, you know, we want to, you know, we want to put up some borders. Uh, we want some boundaries with people. Um, but there's also a safety, right? Of course, in being known, we want to be known. We want to feel like yeah. we can be honest with people. Yeah. So, but when it, you know, when it comes to, to art, when it comes to creating, yeah, I just, I don't think there's any other way. Like you telling me about, about your friend who wants to have an album cover with him crying. I'm like, well, you know what you're getting, you know what I mean? There's no, yeah. you know, if you're in the mood, <laughs> you know and hopefully his music will make you cry because uh if it doesn't you know that might be awkward <laughs> um but at least you know what you're signing up at least you know what you're signing up for so yeah it's it's funny how you said like we want boundaries and but then we walk around you and i walk around being like really honest with people right it's 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 uh it's really uh interesting uh, is there a music is there a mu- musicians or music that bears it like that that you really enjoy yeah, there's a, you know, there's an indigenous artist that I've, uh, I've been getting into of late. Um, she's a, she's a poet. She's a, a writer, a speaker. Her name is Leanne Simpson. Um, and okay. yeah, she tells, um, Canadian, she tells the story of, um, you know, Anishinaabe people like, and just lays it all out. Like there's no, you know, she's not, she's not playing nice <laughs> and it's poetic and it's like, yeah. um, and it's, it can be jarring. You know, of course I love listening to Kendrick as well. Right. You know, oh my I don't gosh. think Kendrick really holds back to the point where I can't listen to it. Sometimes. Right. I'm like, Oh, okay. Right. Right. Um, yep. Uh, yeah. You, the song you, right. Where he's drunk talking to himself in the mirror. Oh, it just cuts so deep. <laughs> right like i don't know um you know if i'm just to kind of like reflect on him as an artist which is this is not it's not fair because i'm i'm just kind of coming up with it on a whim but like to be that honest and to be that like direct and forward like that's and i've only written a, I, I mean i am i have not written that many songs but every song he gives, it just feels like he's just laying it all out. And mm-hmm. I know how exhausting that is for like one song, <laughs> you know, to, to pour over one line, right. Um, to try yeah. to figure out the right words that, that feel true, that feel right, but also, you know, fit syllabically, but also fit the, the rhythm, you know, the cadence, uh, you know, but for him to do that uh, time and time again, that's just, that's just a lot. That must be he must be getting some sleep man <laughs> he's got <laughs> he's got to get sleep because he's so because he's so exhausted he's work he's putting in the work Is yeah but mean? also like yeah. to put in the work you got to have sleep right like to 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 give it all the time i also feel like he's you got to operate from a plate of uh, from a place of rest um you know I, I don't know it's kind of back and forth it feels like yeah yeah it's interesting because i think He's t- he's the stories that he's been telling have been distanced enough from his life, not only in the char- like providing characterization, like like uh, you know Kung Fu Kenny on the Damn record mm. is is him uh, exaggerated, 
but it's also sort of distance when he starts to tell the age of the character where he, you know where he's able to um what's the song uh fear fear on the damn record where mm. it's like i think he's 7 17 and 27 or something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so he's look he's able to look back with some distance yes and frame that and then put it into a story um it's yeah yeah there's uh, there's a lot I connect with. I I, I think right. a lot when I listen to him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he evolves in his interaction with his writing or his how his voice maybe changes or just, yeah, it gets different, right? As he gets older, right? So, but uh, yeah, yeah he's, he's a legend already. That's, uh, yeah, you just, that, just mentioning that inspires me. I think that's really dope. Yeah, that's really most dope. definitely, man. Most definitely. Yeah. I ask, uh, I ask the guests because I often forget. Like we said, you know, what is time? Um, do you remember where or how we met? Yes, I do remember how we met, and I do remember where we met. You were looking for a guitarist for a show you were doing in Ottawa, correct? Right. I was coming. I was coming into town. I wanted to do a show. I decided to book it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Found a cafe. Found a. I found an artist. I found a local artist. I, uh, I think maybe our mutual friend Drew Brown and uh, and past podcast guest Drew yes. Brown Shout out. put me on to Amy Dejeuner. Yep. And she gave me your name. Oh really? Okay, I didn't know that. Wow, that's really kind. Um, yeah. Well, here we are. Yeah. So, um, you were looking for someone to uh to accompany you to 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 support your tunes i never played guitar for a hip-hop artist so i mean mm-hmm. it was kind of a dream come true like i don't know if i expressed that to you no uh, even yeah i mean you know i'm i'm definitely more of a folk player like that's more of my yes. my vibe but so playing hip-hop is like man i love hip-hop like that's my first love shout out to my brother jared for for raising me right um Woo. but yeah i mean p- playing it is very different um yeah and playing acoustic with it is very different um you got to have the chops you got to have the feel anyway so yeah i volunteered myself you came over man you came over to my house yeah. uh, pre-pandemic days we just had a kid i was grieving or i was lamenting to you about how hard it is to have one kid and then you were like yeah i have five <laughs> and they're all at home with my wife and my mom and my in-laws uh, yeah so we yeah we practiced in my living room i think i think my oldest was upstairs sleeping and then but you were like i was like how do you do it with five you're like you're like i'm just starting to write again i feel like i'm just i died and now i'm just coming back mm. to life i remember you saying all that stuff and how much it's yeah it stuck with me so much so um yeah that was kind of our introduction man it was a it was a convergence of a lot of feelings a lot yeah the two of us and a lot of feelings <laughs> it wasn't a lot of feelings man um yeah i i'm trying to remember i i think it was february 2018 that's gonna be my guess it was cold there was snow yeah. What else? What else is there? I'm like looking through my phone right now to see if I can find a picture from that time. Oh wow. Um because because I think the 
I was I was either the June before or like June 2017. I visited Ottawa for the first time. Um, and my wife was uh, doing something with work, and I was able to just I uh, you know I had a personal day uh, from my teaching job, and so I arranged to go out on like fly out on a Sunday with her. She was going to do her thing on Monday, and I would just tour the city. Um, another mutual friend of ours, shout out to Bryce Diamond. Mm-hmm. We uh, yeah, we went to high school together. Yeah. And so um, we had had some connection uh, and re- some connection and reconnection mm-hmm. uh, uh, digital or d- digitally or like, you know, over social media. And so then when I was in town, I was like, yeah, let's try and try and connect. And so that was that was cool to like to reconnect with him. And I don't know, it just caught a spark for the city. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. And so I'm trying to think like that weekend I booked oh, you know what? Um Urban Legends, the poet the poetry um yeah, yeah, collective, yeah. yeah, and competition. Like the, the the I knew a guy that that ran that group and so he had me out as a feature. And so I decided, well, if I'm going to go there, then why don't I try and see if I can put the rest of the weekend together? Because that's what I love to do. I'm not like a huge uh guy for the road. Are you not bringing your five kids on the road, man? <laughs> Certainly not. In your RV. <laughs> Tra- traveling with them would be fun. Like right. when they're older, I, I, I want to do that. Um, marrying like the music and the sort of zone that you want to get in and stay in. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I remember um, when I was in third year university, so like 2003, I uh, had some, some people in the industry that were mentoring me and they said, we're going on a trip. It's got to be, uh, you know, it was it was for GMA for the Gospel Music Association Week in Nashville. Oh yeah, and so we went, drove down, you know, stayed in crummy places and ate awful food, and went to the parties and the showcases and all that stuff. And then on the way home, we stopped in Detroit uh, to a church, and they were doing concerts and ministry. And I traveled with a couple of artists, and I was just holding the bags. And that week exhausted me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that I had sleep apnea at the time. Okay. Um, so I'm just like getting, so I'm getting, so they're getting some sleep. I'm getting no sleep. God. And I just don't know how to navigate the road. And so I go, well, I can't do that. Like the most I can do is, is, you know, travel to a city or a place and just do a bunch of shows in two or three days and then go home. And that'll be feeling enough. So, that auto my my phone here says february 2019 that that's what it says and that was like a test for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can i go and just like enjoy the city and see see what i can do yeah most definitely man so yeah so the saturday of that weekend the show is that night we get together that day meet for the first time play the tunes for the first time and just trust. And that's how I felt. I've been in a lot of moments where, like that where, uh, you know, n- not not in the genre uh, that we were playing in that night where you're just like, okay, well, it it's we've we've done what we can do to this point. Let's just see what <laughs> let's just see what magic happens. Um, yeah. That's a terrifying place, to be honest. I mean, that's a thrilling place. It's also terrifying because you kind of feel like you want to 
you're representing yourself. You're also representing like, these are your songs. These are your babies. Like, so you want to, you want to do them justice as well. Um, so I find that a really interesting place to be. And also like a very humbling place to be because like you've given me your consent to <laughs> like take these songs and like, you know, for me to focify them, right, in a way, yeah, right, and you try to do your thing over them. So, yeah, so I, I got, I had a lot of respect for you that night, um, and how free flowing you were <clears throat> with it as well. Oh, so, word. yeah, like you're the, you know, you sharing your perspective, like, just takes me back to that time, and and I, I don't know, I just feel a lot of peace about it. Um, you know, I, one of my records to say when I'm playing, I feel so free, and it's even like you said it is terrifying it's just to me it's fun like i'm just like yeah let's let's try it i mean uh, maybe it's the mc ethic like <laughs> if you're rapping and you screw up the words then you make up some new ones right like you right you just right. roll with it but i've wanted to do that folk rap i mean i still haven't done it the way i want to mm-hmm. um but you know that lauren hill unplugged record <sighs> right you know, and I'm just like, oh, you can do this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's do something like it, man. Give me just a little more than a little more than a day practice at my <laughs> at my house, but <laughs> come up with something. That that sounds that sounds like fun. Yeah. That sounds be, like fun. It'd be really fun to collaborate on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I sent you some demos, and and then we just kind of figured it out, and. You know, I I don't know if I'll ever be in a jam band, but that kind of there was that kind of energy where. And so here's the the unique thing about that show: it wasn't just like we did a set and then Amy did a set. We decided to like songwriter circle it, so we were on stage the entire time. Yeah, uh, two sets. Like I, we would play a song and then Amy would do a song, and back and forth we went. Yeah. Um, yeah, and really interesting vibes, man. <laughs> like for me just reflecting on it because like you and amy are very different artists we are and yeah it's just a very different perspective and in the context of a cafe you know this very Mm -hmm. intimate which lend itself a little bit more to like i feel like what amy was doing at the same time like i felt like what you were saying brought a freshness to the space that was was really helpful and, and invigorating for a lot of people that night including myself um so, you know, you normally go into a cafe like that expecting to hear really chill folk, you know, breathy, breathy stuff. Yeah. But when you go in there and you get a spoken word artist up there, hip hop artist doing your thing, I, I thought it was I thought it was cool, man. So and I I appreciated uh, working with you in that. Doing like Bob Marley covers <laughs> with like hip rap verses in between and. That was a good, that was a fun set. Yeah, yeah. So my, so my, uh, one of my lasting memories is, um, it might be our last song uh, or or near the end, we did You Care. I know that I, you care yeah. for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we do the song. It's not a long song. Like the, the recorded version is about uh, two two minutes and 40 seconds, something like that. And we, I don't think we were much longer, but the, we sing the chorus four times and they caught it the fourth time. Yeah. And so they're singing it. 
and and they get it in a way that's noticeable and then the song ends right you care and we're all yeah. si- we're all sitting there and you just go I don't think we're done singing the song, John. And then you just keep going and get them an arousing chorus, and they're clapping. It's like you know they you they might have been might as well have been stomp clapping. Like it was just <laughs> like it was the loudest that that place had been for the night. And yeah. you just you were the one like, no, we're not done. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was feeling it, man. I had for- totally forgotten about that actually. That's just that that uh, that intuition. I was like, "Oh, this is really impressive." Yeah. Because like this is not your show, and <laughs> that's, that's the true. humble, yeah, the humbling part that you talk about is like we had gone through a bunch of different iterations. I think maybe at some point you were going to present some of your tunes. I don't think you did. No, I didn't. No. Yeah. Yeah. So like. How lovely, like from my perspective, how lovely that you would just give your time. Like you're a singer-songwriter in the city. There's somebody on stage with you presenting their own stuff. And you decide, like, I'm just going to come alongside this dude. It's a totally, you know, random and new connection. But, you, you know, you're like, I was I was really honored that you um, that, that you put yourself into the show the way that you did um, for somebody else. That's I, I, I could rock with that any day respect man well yeah i'd want someone to do that for me so it makes sense man yeah i I don't know i don't know what was getting into me that night at the end of that song but i'm happy that it it brought some inspiration to the room and uh i'm happy i'm glad that you look back at it with fondness man (laughs) incredible fondness just deep fondness yeah that's a that's a lasting memory for me yeah 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 cool something i'm glad to tell i ask uh, I ask my guests here to bring a story um, about uh, something that deals with either something we've collaborated on, or uh, you know, create or or around the themes of the show: it's creativity, uh, inspiration, community, or learning. Um, what do you? What did you bring for us today, Chad? Yeah, I'll share like a, a recent recent experience I had. Um, uh, yeah, for Christmas I. Like I, I've been kind of out of songwriting to be honest. Like the this last year, um, I just haven't really felt like I much space to kind of sit down and and come up with with, uh, with words or really feel things. Um, but uh, I had a a, a mutual friend, uh, Rose Ingrid. Um, shout out to Rose Ingrid. Shout uh, out to Rose Ingrid. Great uh, poet spoken word artist, uh, good friend. Um, she connected me with, with a, with a lady who like just discovered some of her dad's poems. Wow. He had written like, like, yeah, he had written like 50 years ago for Christmas. She wanted to turn them into songs. And so Rose Ingrid passed, uh, passed this individual's name along to me. And, um, I took a look at the poems and, one of them was was a full page long, but I'm not talking like, you know, I'm not talking large font. I'm talking like 4.5 font on a full hmm. page of printer paper of just of words, right, all the way down, and like different words, not like repeating phrases. And uh, and then another one was a bit shorter. Um, and so I just read these poems, and I was like, okay, like kind of like what sticks out, like what feels good, like what could naturally become a chorus, what could naturally be a verse. 
this the long one was actually was actually the one that resonated with me the most yeah so i had um you know basically she wanted to present it to her dad uh at christmas time so i basically had like a two month um two month deadline to write write uh, a song like put these words to uh to music um and man it was the most creatively challenging thing of my life wow what was what was challenging about it for you well number one when you and this is i mean this has happened many times but when you get like a melody in your head or like you get an idea in your head around like some words and so and it feels good in the moment and then you'd sing it over and over again and you're like wait a second this didn't it just doesn't feel as good as it did the first time and it starts to really lose that magic and then you try to hmm. and then you try to like i'm gonna try to erase that from my brain and i'm gonna try to approach this song in a fresh way again well that really wasn't happening for me right um partly because there were so many lyrics i was i think i was just overwhelmed with the amount of music and content that i was going to have to produce uh to make this poem into something yeah so it was it was challenging i probably did you know there was probably 40 different voice memos on my phone like with this poem just trying to get a like a consistent melody uh you know bridges turn into verses verses turn into choruses like it was just all you know i you know i reached out to the the gal multiple times saying can i you know can i amend this can i like <laughs> what kind of liberties can i take with wording mm -hmm. and with phrasing and she was really cool about it um ended up being about a four and a half minute song pretty like leonard cohen style you know a lot of arpeggiated uh a lot of picking um uses some different tunings on it and uh they love the song um and she ended up sharing it with her family and they loved it and the dad loved it. And it was, it was definitely a labor of love for me, man. Um, hmm. It was definitely a labor of love, uh, you know, cause I just thought it was a beautiful gesture, like of this daughter to want to give this, you know, dad's poems to, to him in song. And he was like a big Joni Mitchell fan and big Leonard Cohen fans. And I didn't know that. And then I sent it to her and she was like, Oh my God, this like, he's going to love this because it feels like right up his alley, like what he loves to listen to anyway. So, um, wow. Yeah. So that was, that was a, that was quite the experience, man. I, I had a lot of inner turmoil <laughs> about it. A lot of pacing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of singing in different parts of the house, singing to my children, them looking at me like, what the heck are you doing, dad? And all the while, just this song just kind of consumed me for a week. Cause you know, us, a lot of us artists, we, we wait to the last minute to try to produce stuff. <laughs> so that also happened with me. And I just realized that I had bitten off more than I could chew. That's a really great story. What, you know, having the source material sometimes can be uh, a good starter, but like that inner turmoil, like, you know, what was your thought process like as you were engaging the work? What was the inner dialogue for you? when you decide to take this on well i think i think the challenging part with taking with receiving other people's words is like like this is a surprise so like ideally i would have like s connected with her dad and said can you give me the context of like where did this mm. poem come from because 
like I was trying to gather it and I could to a degree, but there's also like a lot of interpretation that needs to happen. And also, so for me, like when I write, it's mostly the lyrics and the music kind of come together rather quickly. And it's very like, like, bam, it just kind of happens. It's really intense. It's really intense for me. It's usually not a drawn out process. And I know it's different for everybody. And I know it, it, it's probably going to change for me too. Um, But um, it was hard for me to connect with the words because, um, and he also wrote them when he was young. And so I was also trying to just feel this guy out. Like, where's he coming from? Mm -hmm. Like, what's, what's the idea here? So I think that's, that was my, that was a lot of my thought process was just trying to feel the words, but you're also trying to make music that feels true to the words on the page. And so, um, so that was a real, I think that was the real challenge was for me. All right. I just got to immerse myself in somebody else's experience. Um, and that can be hard when maybe you don't resonate with what's on the page, but you got to help yourself. You got to help yourself with that. Mm -hmm. And, and you almost have to set your, like, in a way you kind of have to set your own, like, well, I'm just not feeling this aside. And you're like, I just got to work. And I just got to, I got to produce something. And that was a, that was a challenge for me. Cause I think, you know, I always just want to feel exactly what I'm writing all the time, but like, yeah, at the same time I was hired to do this. So, all right, I got to produce. Um, so that was hard. It's like the honesty and that, that authentic nature. It's like, no, this is instinctually how I write. And it's got to come from the gut. It's got to come from the heart. And so if I can't connect with it, then how am I supposed to produce? And the thing is like, they're probably hiring you because of the thing <laughs> right exactly right yeah <laughs> do you want me to write you a song like i could write you a song uh, um you know i mean i was i was very honest with her uh <laughs> with the client in the messaging i was like listen i gotta be honest with you like this is this is kicking my butt right now and she was like yeah. oh i'm sure we'll love it it'll be great you know we're <laughs> we're really easy we're really easy to please and i'm like okay but i'm like in the back of my mind i'm like oh my god you don't understand like this is tearing me up um your dad's sweet little poem from 50 years ago is eating me alive so it's so interesting because i think that like that seems like the perfect response for what you needed but it offers no relief right oh no like None. Like there's no there's no give there to be like well you know if you want to change this or find any way out of it no there's no way out of it this is the hard thing and we're and and we think you're great for it and you're like, I don't know if I'm good for it right right yeah no like even like Rose Ingrid because she she knows this gal she was like uh she was like I heard that the song was amazing like I heard it went off and I was, she was like I kind of want to hear it now I'm like no 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 you don't need to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Like I was proud for doing the work. Like I was proud of myself for doing the work. And I think that's something like, I'm proud of myself for doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm also like, it didn't feel like me in a way. Right. Um, and so I'm not just going to like freely uh, share this song, which is, it's, which is just, in, it's kind of an interesting place to be in, but I know I'm not alone. I know a lot of people feel that way about songwriting in a lot of ways. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. 
it's i mean it's it's one of the reasons i i hold this space you know like i had my buddy mark on and we talked about a song that we have tried to work on for years and have not found uh have not found a home for it uh, right it's you know it's the pursuit a creative pursuit that uh is enticing and maddening and frustrating and it's really cool that you were able to sort of wrestle this one to the ground uh and then you know now it's like okay well you know what lessons what lessons can you take from it what what can you what tools can you add to your to your tool belt to help you keep writing songs yeah definitely you know i i did like i did ask for her like consent to you know could i tweak could i tweak things and i end up skipping like a phrase because i just when i tried to like fit it into like my cadence it just like there were wor there's words that like in songwriting like specifically with folk that like i feel like some words just aren't meant to go <laughs> in sure. the music like like there's too many syllables here or like it's really fumbly and i can't just change this guy's words <laughs> yeah i can't just find the right synonym and synonym and be happy with that um because that's what i want to do it's like all right i gotta roll with this word yeah i had to grow up and i had to be an adult and work yeah. so <laughs> I had to grow up. That's yeah. so interesting. I um I just wrote. I I've been really unfortunately for the collaborators been really struggling to uh, send it to them a song that we've been working on, um, where it was based around an artist who I still have to pitch. So I don't know if they'll ever. Like, I hope it sees, it's a good song, but it started with uh, his verse and it was a story. And that telling stories from someone, from others' perspectives is not an easy thing for me. Um, mm -hmm. It can be done in hip hop, it can be done in folk, but like you said, I think you and I, like, honest, we want it to come from our authentic experience. And so uh, I built a beat around it. Uh, like, I worked with people to build a beat around the song, and then I'm like, okay, well, where do I go from here? Because he's already telling the story about somebody. And so I decided to tell a story um, from that's connected to somebody I know. And I think I did a good job, but even then, I still had to work with my guys in Lost and Found. We had a little bit of a writing session where we could sort of sit and bring our, our head scratchers to the table and and you know they helped push me forward so even even then like it was it was it's hard to it's, mm -hmm. it's hard to tell someone else's story and i think when it's all said and done i think i might scrap it and and tell one of mine but again my lost and found guys they've pushed me a little bit forward i might tell my story but from like a third person perspective like it's yeah just yeah. just not yeah it's just the the growing up makes a lot of sense especially when you're sort of contracted to do it i want to be a versatile songwriter mm -hmm. um, but i guess there's just some things that you have to fight for a little bit more it's kind of the sort of first love mentality you kind of have like when i like if something sticks right and it felt really good it felt like magic in the moment i feel like that's kind of worth returning to and then there's some stuff that's like you know what that was kind of cool i was kind of feeling it but like there's just not much substance and kind of distinguishing between those like i've got hundreds of voice memos on my phone 
and I'll return to some every now and then and just go, actually, that's cool. You know? And then I've got other mm-hmm. things. I'm like, I, <laughs> that's lived on my phone for way too long. So yeah, knowing when to walk away, knowing when to return, knowing just like, you know, there's stories of, you know, writers worked on stuff for five, 10 years. Right. And I think, I think, I think your point about trying to tell other people's story is really interesting because I kind of view songwriting already in that lens is like, I'm trying to articulate what I think I'm experiencing, but okay. a lot of the time I don't even feel like it's true to me in a way. Um, I'm trying to give voice to an experience. And if the words hit, I'm like, if the word, if they're the right words or the music feels right, I'm like, you know what? That feels really true. But uh, so I, not to get all existential, but I kind of feel like in some way we're always trying to articulate someone else's story until it really comes home to us until like yeah. songs I've written. I'm like return. Like even when I wrote, we're not okay. You know, in the moment I was like, okay, this feels really right. Really true to me. And then I just had people reach out to me this year and going, man, I feel like you wrote it for this year or this past year, 2020. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I didn't, but yes. And yeah, so it's just a, it's an interesting yeah, songwriting. What a world, what a world. Cause <laughs> yeah. And that's the beauty of it, right? You never can quite get, get a hand on it. So, well, uh, this, this school year, I, uh, I taught a philosophy class for mm-hmm. the first time, so I certainly uh, won't fault anyone for trying to get existential. <laughs> I, I... Right on, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I like it. Uh, thanks for telling your story, Chad. Definitely, man. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with my story on the John Corbin Podcast. We are back on the John Corbin Podcast. I'm here with my special guest, Chad Cecil. Chad got to tell his story before the break, and now it's my turn. You ready, Chad? Let's do it, John. All right. Uh, January 20th, this year. Mm. Inauguration day. Right. Yep. It was a day. (laughs) It was a day, man. It was a day. I can't... Still, I I'm it's I'm still too close to January sixth. Yeah, like yeah. like we're recording this in early February. Like it's just a month ago, and I'm still like, what the bleep happened? Right, and it's like, and you know, it's gonna happen again. Like something like yeah. that's gonna happen again. I mean, you know, there's a lot of activists out there who are who have been doing the work um, and telling us. Uh, been forecasting, been preparing people. Um, yeah, you know ways to prepare. And when it happened, they were like, "We told you." <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, January sixth was just. You know, I don't know how, how uh, more obvious it gets. Um, yeah. In terms of what, what's been, what's been happening for the last four years. Yeah. So, yeah. And I carried that into inauguration day, 
in in you know nervousness yeah definitely uh, definitely somewhere on the spectrum between nervousness and fear <laughs> <laughs> i did not know it was going to happen and we're locked down uh in on you know in ontario or in the in the gta we were locked down so like basically since christmas break i've had all my kids home doing virtual school plus i've been teaching i teach te- i'm teaching in virtual school so like it's just like we are heightened as a family like there's just so much going on and so you know last uh last may and june um the you know kind of high profile murders uh Ahmed Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd sort of all like within a window um I was so angry but I but you know we were still home uh at that point too like we were we were locked we were locked down as well and just that it's so hard to process these emotions around your kids around your kids and yeah you're trying to be you know i mean I, th- I think that's part of the you know you're parenting yourself right is trying to be attentive to your own emotions and at the same time like talking to your kids about it um mm-hmm. and bringing your kids into your own vulnerabilities right like i feel like that's i'm learning that on i, I remember i remember on january 6th when it all went down like uh i was not surprised but i remember being just in my like in my body in my spirit like very unsettled right so i just and i my 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 partner jen and i talked about it and and our kid and one of our kids julie was like you know she's two and a half right she's got big emotions like feels everything 110 percent right now anyway but like she was very restless and upset a lot and i just looked at jen i'm like it's because <laughs> It's because we're restless and upset. Yeah. Like she's yeah. feeling everything. Yeah. And yeah, so there's so much, you know, repression of emotions and trying to process these. Uh, I mean, we're, none of us are in a healthy space. And then, and then this kind of sense of helplessness when it comes to what's happening in the world because we can't be physically uh, as much there as we want to be. Um, yeah, that just further creates aggression and, um, fear and frustration, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you, uh, so you have American heritage. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We're, um, born and raised in the, um, the U S of A. What, uh, like what States, uh, did you live in or, or yeah. Did you live in before you came to Canada? I'm a Michigander from Michigan um okay yeah i i loved i loved living in michigan um lived in michigan until i was uh about 20 and i spent some time out in seattle uh for a couple years out in washington and then moved back to michigan and now i ended up here in ottawa so yeah but i love you know i love i love the u.s um sorta (laughs) (laughs) it's complicated uh like if my relationship status was was something with the u.s it would be it would be very complicated Uh, it's it's complicated it's very complicated um yeah yeah it's very complicated yeah and 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 then the 20 in january 20th i think was a prime you know it was a prime example of that um 
So, tell me, yeah. So I was thinking about you know how I felt, and then I, I I'd love to hear your um, perspective. So for me, there was palpable relief of having a this sounds so weird to say a politician be sworn into that office and you know it was in the sense like i didn't i did not enjoy the last four years i did not enjoy the year before that i did not enjoy the birther stuff with obama i did not enjoy Mm -hmm. this sort of decade of um of mr trump's emergence onto the scene into politics and so there is a point where i just was like okay well at least that's not happening then you right. have right uh yeah so then you have um uh kamala harris mm-hmm. and her sort of his, well her sort of her historic entry and i remember being able i'm not sure i think my students were working and i just like flicked on uh twitter and saw was able to see her get sworn in and i was like getting emotional oh and she's you know and and you know all you know all that means for black women for south asian women for mixed people like myself like it was i was like oh i remember i remember uh barack obama's inauguration and i and again it's it's not all hero worship with these folks i I am. I try to be level-headed, right? But it did mean something. Oh, most, most definitely, most definitely. I mean, I was, I was crying. Like we were, you know, we treated the twentieth like a, like a, like a holiday in our, in our, in our home. Like I brought the little kids' table into the living room and we're all watching it. I was also very hesitant with all of us watching it because I'm like, look, if something goes down, like our kids are watching, yeah, an R-rated movie right now, and. Yep. Um, so I was I was nervous in that sense, um, uh, but yeah, no historic day, uh, you know, beautiful day. Uh, yeah, I, I felt like it was Kamala's day, um, hmm. <laughs> you know, more than anything um, uh, for what she represents, who she represents. I felt like that was that was that's what was really beautiful about it. So I see. And again, I'm not on social media a ton, but I see like uh, big displays of emotion from people of just of just relief. If they didn't like uh, Mr. Trump, then they were over the moon that this change was occurring. And you know, social media is the place for hyperbole. Um, you spend a lot of you spend time on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and and so do I. And so you know it's it's interesting for me to sort of as I'm conceiving tweets, thinking about the language that pops into my head is uh, of the conventions of Twitter. And it's like, well, this is not how I talk. I'm not a very hyperbolic person, uh, so I'm always sort of checking myself. But I'm seeing these like massive displays of relief, and. I exhale because nothing's going on and it's, uh, you know, just really incredible to see the sort of symbolic, um, uh, the symbolic place that Kamala Harris holds. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then JLo gets up. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, 
I have not been paying attention. I don't know anything about the day. I missed Amanda Gorman. Oh man. Um, oh yeah. Let's let's like I the day was was her, right? I mean the day was Kamala and, and Amanda Gorman for sure. For sure. Yeah. Right. Um what? Like Yeah. The twenty two mm-hmm. and this, you know, I'm turning forty this year and I'm <laughs> you start to think, what have I done? You know what I haven't done? Is deliver a fantastic poem <laughs> six minute poem <laughs> at inauguration at inauguration day you got time you got time john I got time I, I you know we all run our own race yeah um mm. uh yeah that was that was and then as a teacher because there's so much like i i halted my classes january 7th and said listen and then and 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 continued to do so where i could but you know as a teacher uh, you know, I'm in teacher mode really heavy this year. And it's like, oh, man, it's so I just love to be able to put a dark skinned black woman mm. in front of my students and say, learn. 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're right. Let's let's give it up. We need more teachers. Bro. We need more teachers like you, John. Oh, Absolutely, bro. man. Absolutely. That's a that's a whole that's other podcast. a whole other that's a whole <laughs> other thing. Yeah, I know, I know. Mad, mad appreciation for you, John. What you're doing, man. So showing up every nice. day. So J Lo gets up. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I mean, there's there's. I don't know how to say this. Like with hip hop, I'm uh, ahead and I want to learn the culture. I like folk music. I, I'm not ahead of it, right? So, like, I know Woody Guthrie, but I don't know Woody Guthrie. I know if you cover a Woody Guthrie song. Yeah. And Ani DeFranco did Which Side Are You On? Uh, you know, Sharon Jones, like, really funked up This Land Is Your Land. Like, yeah, yeah, I that's, love that version. That's, yeah, it's a, and that's, that's what I know. Mm-hmm. But J-Lo comes up and sings This Land Is Your, this land, is your land. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at your Twitter timeline and it's just a simple sentence. Okay, but this land isn't your land. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, man, like I said, like I said earlier, like you just make me think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's not, right? Um I'm I was wondering who she was singing that to. Um Number one, I think it was a really interesting song choice. Uh, like, d- just because, like, I think, uh, I, uh, sorry, wow, I forgot Lady Gaga. I was like, who is that? Who is that person? Um, Lady, <laughs> Lady Gaga sings um, "Amazing Grace." Oh no, no, Sue. Yeah. No, no. Um, no, she sang. Um, oh darn it! Sorry, man. I'm, I'm, free- I'm blanking. What did she sing? The she sang the national anthem. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, and then so, Garth Brooks sang "Amazing Grace," um, and Garth Brooks sang. I think he missed actually the best verse, which was the second verse, which is like, um, you know, "Grace will lead me home." That's kind of like, yeah. I was like, man, I you know, he sang like the first and like fourth verse or something like that. Anyway, anyway, I'm getting all, I'm nerding out on verses here, but <laughs> songwriter. But J. Uh, but Halo sings "The Sign Is Your Land." And, and I'm like, that's a, that's a colonizer. That's a colonizer song. If there ever was a song, uh, Rebecca Nagel, who's a, um, who's 
a member of Cherokee Nation. Uh, she was she wrote an NPR. She did an article on NPR and she said, um, quote, I mostly experienced the inauguration on Twitter. It was like I was living in two worlds where my non-native Twitter was talking about how great JLo is and she and she is. And then native Twitter was like, seriously, this land is your land is how we're going to celebrate today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so, you know, the song, you know, the song is a, is a perfect example of, of ongoing settler colonialism and indigenous erasure. Right. And yeah. like we're talking about ideas, systems that perpetuate genocide and repression of people and culture so when you sing that song you're acting like they're not here um and you're acting like it's completely normal to be singing this song right of course it's our land Mm, no it's not (laughs) yeah so it's a larger and again that's what i'm saying like the 20th was a perfect example in some ways uh, or the six was a perfect example of of the U.S. in many ways, and also the twentieth was a perfect example where, you know, people think, ah, this finally, like, we've reached this point, and then you sing that song, and you're like, right, this is another yeah. reminder that we still don't get it, and we've got a long ways to go. So yeah, I mean, you know, great, uh, great melody, um, but you know, the U.S. is a is a country that's built on settler colonialism. There's some there's some native writers out there who have uh, redone um, redone the song. This land is native land. Uh, I wish I could remember that. Cat Jefferson, I think, is so. Shout out to Cat Jefferson. I doubt she'll okay. hear this, but <laughs> she wrote uh, this land. Uh, this land is native land, and she goes through and acknowledges the various people uh, uh, whose land it actually belongs to. Uh, it's a beautiful mm. song. So. So you so you wrote this one sentence tweet, and then then you quote tweet Joseph M. Pierce, who says this land was not made for you and me; it was stolen by white people. And then you wrote, "I appreciate these calls for unity, but without justice and accountability, we will continue to spiral into chaos." Mm-hmm. And then you wrote, "I wish more spiritual leaders understood this." And then you wrote... Man, I was active on Twitter, man. <laughs> Just exposing my tweets. It was one of those days. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then you wrote, Amanda Gorman, all caps. Mm-hmm. And then you wrote, I know that there was some serious disinfecting work done in the nation's capital, but did anyone consider a smudging ceremony? <laughs> I just, I'm so thankful for the pause. And... You know, it remind what well, you said, like the you know the twentieth, and like this, yeah, this reminder of erasure. It is it, it you know from from my context, say, um, listening to you know black artists and um, uh, African American artists and poets. You know, w- w- one of my favorites, Propaganda, mm-hmm. ha- has a poem called Twenty Years," and it's an allegory about a couple that's been married for 40 and for the first 20 years he was horrifically abusive Mm. and then in the last 20 years he hasn't done it but he does not recognize how the scars remain wow 
And so their relationship doesn't improve, but he can't understand why. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Prop ends the poem by saying, you know, whatever, happy 4th of July, hope you enjoy your ribs. Like, like it is right, this... Exactly. Yeah, this the pain that cannot be forgotten. Um, and at the very least, at the very least, the pain's not actively being inflicted. But in a lot of our cultural discourse, we're debating the pain. Right. In ways that just is, you know, is mind boggling. Uh, maybe I'll ask about your story because, I mean, you've talked a little bit about learning and sort of not being raised as connected to um, your own culture. What, t- tell me a little bit about your journey in sort of com- coming to an understanding, coming to a physical connection, so much so that you would, again, in your honesty, share these um, poignant things with us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, my, you know, um, like I want to speak about this respectfully and like I want to honor my my ancestors and the people that come before me and whose shoulders I stand upon. So my mother was Cherokee, was adopted by my uh, white-bodied grandparents. And um, I say white-bodied, uh, shout out to Resma Menekin. Uh, who wrote the book, My Grandmother's Hands, and he uses that hmm. term, which I think is really helpful. And um, adopted my mother, uh, who's Cherokee, and had my mom has no connection to her, um, her Cherokee heritage, no connection to her mother. Um, and we're working to try to, we're working right now to try to reconnect. Um, so my brother and I, you know, my brother and I grew up as native kids, um, as Indians for short, as native boys. Um, but we grew up in, in white bodied evangelicalism, like a church, church construct, a church culture that, you know, if the U if the United States on January 20th, isn't acknowledging, um, indigenous people, you know, the evangelical church, (laughs) 30, right. 40 years ago, surely ain't doing it. It's, it's, you know, it's all connected, of course. You know, I remember going to my brother's sports games and, you know, every time he scored a, scored a basket, uh, playing basketball, they would like the, his classmates would do the tomahawk chop, right? Like that was, wow. that was like, you know, that was like the most, and I would kind of look, look around and think, oh, like they're happy for my brother, you know, they're like honoring my brother and like i would get excited and you know and then you know growing up i would hear you know slurs at my mom like a little squaw or you know making notes about her appearance about her body you know she's five foot long dark beautiful hair uh dark skin uh you know just always commenting on her body and the way she looked and she was different and um, and she grew up in a very white context too. Um, and so then, you know, and for us never really having that, that connection to where my mother was from, you kind of grew up just, you grew up assimilating, but all the while, right. but all the while kind of have, having this ambiguity about who you are and where you're from, 
and feeling things in your body um, while at the same time growing up in a church culture that was like kind of told you that you just need to think the right things or believe the right things. But all the while you're like, I inhabit this tan body that doesn't look like everyone else here. Um, my mom doesn't look like everyone else. My brother doesn't look like everyone else. Yeah. So I, I kind of lived the first 20, <laughs> I feel like 25, 30 years of my life just with a lot of questions. Right. Um, just like, where am I coming from? Who am I? Um, and it's fast forward to reimagine, um, 2019. Yeah. Fall 2019. Fall, yeah. It's about fall 2019. And, um, there was a space dedicated to, um, BIPOC folks. I, I mm-hmm. remember one of the breakouts and, uh, and I didn't go to it. Um, because I didn't feel like I kind of belonged in it. Um, me too. Okay. I did the same thing. For real? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. We need to talk about that, John. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about that. I don't know if that's now or I don't know if that's another podcast. Um, it, it could okay, be so, now. Okay. So uh, talk, talk, me, talk to me about what, what were you feeling? Why didn't, why didn't you go? Uh, why didn't I go? I mean, so uh, my story is a little documented just in terms of... Um, yeah. Uh, on record yes um uh but yeah like my uh my mom is is canadian born um the long tradition of mennonite heritage right heavily european german swiss american as well which i don't think about too much but my grandma was american uh, my dad is immigrant from guyana dark-skinned um and the same like connection I don't have a connection to Guyanese heritage. My dad tried to maintain his connection, but for some reason could did not conceive that I would want any of this stuff. Like mm. there was no like I'm not there was no effort to pass this stuff down. It was it could be narcissism, it could like he was a very broken person. Um so there's there's lots to get into there, but um mm-hmm. but it just in terms of like like you said your body and your environment are very different. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that put me actually at odds with a lot of black folks growing up. And when you're young and formative and you have a number of those experiences, then (laughs) your brain is going to want to protect you from continuing to have those experiences. Mm -hmm. So code switching wasn't a thing until I sort of acknowledged my own blackness, but it didn't happen until... I was about 20 or so and I saw Lawrence Hill. Um, I saw the, the writer Lawrence Hill. He wrote a book about being mixed as a Canadian. And I was like, who is this guy? And why is he writing, you know, a large part of my story? And so I had to acknowledge my own blackness and then go on a learning journey. And then I was like, okay, well then now I'm like can code switch a bit and there's lots of folks that would tell me even like some in the in our reimagined spaces that were like i you know you're just you are black to me and i'm like that's cool because i've never felt that way i actually (laughs) yeah i actually have like what are you supposed to do when your dad wants a nothing to do with you and b want does not want to pass down any of this culture that is going to be your signifier for the rest of your life but because of how much race is a social construct and categorizes us 
And so I have to have some explanation for this skin. Um, but on the flip side, I have like generations mm. of European bodied people that love me. They don't know what to do with my difference, but they love me. But they love you. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. To do, what to do with you? <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Thank you for that, John. Um, there's a lot. So I, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. And so I just, you know, I try, I don't want to read all of myself into, into your story, but I think that we do have some similarities when it comes to, yeah, like I, I can check this box and I can sit in this room, but I don't know how comfortable I'm going to be in it. Right. Yeah. So like somebody, I I was hanging out with, I think I was hanging out basically with all the black people in in one of the rooms at Reimagine, like <laughs> while something else was happening in the space in the like the conference space, and um, I was just hanging out chatting with everyone, and and uh, our friend Rose Ingrid again says like, all right, let's go back inside when our friend Heather gets up to do her spoken word piece, and so. Shout out to Heather Beamish. Shout out to uh, Heather Beamish. Wow, Heather. Um, and uh, so we all decided to go in, and and Rosinger and I have talked about this story, and um, so I feel like she'd be comfortable with me saying this, but she, you know, she was like, "Okay, I'll go in with Chad. I'll go in with the with the white guy." And Ooh, okay. I I looked at Rosinger. I said, "Oh, I'm not white." And she goes, <laughs> "What?" And I said, "Yeah." <laughs> I said. I said, Rose, I, I was like, this, this is a long story. I don't, <laughs> we were like walking. You're just trying to walk in the room. We were trying to walk through the door and she like, you know, and she's like such a loving, honest, caring person. She was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't, I, I didn't know. And I'm like, <laughs> it was like, I was like, I was like, listen, listen, this is a lot. I don't know where I belong. And that's all, right. all I'm going to tell you right now. And she was like, oh, my gosh, like, why didn't you come to that? Why didn't you come to the BIPOC space? And mm -hmm. I, was like, I was like, this is exactly why. Yeah, it's not a safe space. I'm yet. like, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. So and then, you know, there's a, and then and then just fast forward that year, like there were just various experiences I had um, as well as just kind of I feel like in a lot of ways coming home to my own body of like what is it i'm really feeling and like my place in this in this world and then like you get educating yourself on like native american erasure and like indigenous erasure and like this this is a settler colonialism is ongoing and you start thinking about right. this own sense of erasure in your own spirit and in your own body that you have felt your entire life and you realize this is not only this is a systemic issue, but it's also affecting me on a on a cellular, on a personal family dynamic. Um, so, like, what does it mean for me to assert myself uh, as who I who I believe I actually am? Um, and that's tricky, like you, when you're like, I don't have that cultural connection. I live in this body, but I don't practice these things i don't have these rituals i don't maybe know the songs um 
but I know that I feel things. And I know right. that when I do certain things, it feels right. Um, so, yeah, so I'm not sure where we're at in this conversation besides that. So where did you start? <laughs> um, I, uh, I took a, I took a workshop on, well, I think first of all, it, it, I, first of all, I, I chatted with a, with a sister who, um, lives in Montreal. Um, her name is Lisa and, um, she was a very, she's like a parental figure. She also spoke at that conference and, uh, she has Cherokee roots and I spoke to her, uh, over the phone just kind of sharing with her, like everything we've kind of talked about just now. And she looked at me and just said, Chad, like, I see you. And I just want you to know, like, it's okay. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to like, just be exactly where you're at. And I didn't know that I needed someone who looked like me Hmm. and occupied that parental space who was not my parent to say it's okay to feel what you're feeling. And I just lost it. Like I broke down. I was, I was sobbing in front of her. Right? And it was the first time we like, like we had had a beer before, but like I'm, I'm crying on the phone with her. And, and I felt like that moment was like, it was just like a switch went off. It was like, I just kind of came, I just came home to like, this is mm. in me, this is in me. And I got to give attention to this. And I didn't realize that I needed someone, an elder, to tell me, yeah. to tell me, like, I see you and you belong. Um, and so from that point on, I, I just, I was honest with Jen. Uh, and she's been, like, massively supportive just about kind of this whole process. And she said to me, you know, Chad, I, ever since we've met, you know, we've been married for seven going on eight years now, like ever since we met, like I've known this is a thing for you, you know? And like when we first met, you know, she's not proud of the question, but she asked me like, what are you? (laughs) Right. You know, which has been a common question my whole life. What are you? Are you Mexican? Are you, are you from Hawaii? Are you, are you Greek? Are you like, I went to Guatemala, played soccer one time and I like spoke some Spanish and I think they thought I, like was one of them. <laughs> right. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not an imposter. Like I, I only know a little Spanish. Um, and so I, I get that when I go to the Dominican. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think just, yeah. And then, so I started, I started doing some, some rituals that are, you know, true to indigenous uh, people. Um, I've started doing uh smudging which is a cleansing uh ritual um cleansing practice um maybe if you're listening to this you've i've seen it or participated in it it's a lot of times that it's communal um but i've Mm -hmm. we haven't had that opportunity much in the pandemic so um it's been a lot it's become a lot more personal for me um so that's been a very important like prayer practice for me um as well as just trying to talk about this more often. Like the more you're able to just be honest about your story and your grief and your struggle, I feel like the more you're 
you're just kind of breathing those sighs of like your body's just saying thank you for giving permission to like to feel um and to be what's always been yeah and i've had some friends i've had great folks in community near and far who have been remarkably supportive as well as just educating myself reading books um and engaging with ongoing indigenous uh, uh issues right so whether that's the whether that's the dakota access pipeline you know mm-hmm. uh you know and in, in promoting indigenous artists uh you know ongoing ways in which our education system is still immersed in white-bodied supremacy and and also like just trying to help my kids uh, at least with julie right now just trying to help her be connected in little ways to the land around her and ongoing land acknowledgements so you know waking up every morning and just recognizing that i'm a settler on this land uh you know this isn't yeah. I'm not from here. This 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 land belongs to a people. Um and they're still here. And so what are we doing to uh what are we what are we doing as a society to ensure that uh to ensure that things are given back to them and their rights are restored. So it's complicated, but um I feel like I'm never not learning and growing um and changing right now. That's real. I caught like when you talked about smudging. Um, it, it's interesting the the board, the teaching board that I work in, has had several um, days of education where and have worked to forge relationships with um, local elders to come in to first teach the teachers, which is actually the might be the hardest part. Mm. Um, and that that's an ongoing as a person of color in a board where I am very much a minority. It's an ongoing issue. Okay. Um, yeah. But I but then as a person of color sitting at the feet of indigenous elders, um, it's so uh, it's uh, you know I'm very I I it, it's been that's been a wonderful experience. Mm. So all that to say is that like we've been able to participate in some smudging ceremonies. Um, I wondered about for you has there been a shift in your self-perception in engaging this material now like i don't i mean i guess right. the common word would be imposter but i just don't i don't know if that's um effective enough to lay on you it's just more about like your self-perception versus you know where you know your first you know 30 years like you said of of rearing like yeah. that's it, it takes time but you know what's that been like have you seen a shift yeah i have um i said to a friend uh probably six months ago and there's there's been so much that's shifted i kind of feel like internally um that I said, I, I think where I was six months ago was that I, I I still felt like I had to assert myself as like native. Like I'd have to tell people that I'm native. Like it was like, I was really self-conscious about it, right? Like even walking into, we have a store in town where um, a, a, a native store where I buy supplies. Um, and, you know, they, 
I got into a conversation with them because they looked at me and they're like, they're like, where are you like, where are you from? And uh, <laughs> so I launched into kind of my whole story, like where I was from and mm-hmm. it kind of turned into a whole thing. But I remember the first time I walked in the store to buy some materials and I felt like, oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah. Who is this person? I've never done this. So I definitely felt like an imposture. And like, I had to ask, like, I had to ask questions like, you know, okay, I'm smudging, you know, I'm, here's, here's, here's kind of who I am and where I come from. I'm really new to all of this yet at the same time, I'm really, I'm really wanting to do some like reclaiming for myself. And, yeah. uh, and so I have felt like an imposture a phrase that's tossed around on native Twitter a lot is a pretendian, which is like hmm. someone who claims they have native heritage. There was a whole issue on the CBC recently about a show that was produced, but I guess one of the main characters was not native, but there was a lot of native people who were also on the cast, but they ended up canceling the show because the one person who was like a prominent figure was not native. Anyway, it's a whole thing, but that, that also plays into that's also an ongoing indigenous issue is a lot of people who claim they have heritage or roots and actually don't. Sure. And so that plays into kind of where I'm coming from too. It's like, well, I know it. Like I know it's in me. I know it's where we're from, but like, I don't, I don't have these practices. I'm not a part of this culture, but yet this is the body I inhabit. So in many ways I have felt like a pretendian. And so I engage these practices like smudging and even just activism because I don't have, I don't have much else right now. And when I engage those things, I feel like I'm being very actually true to to me. A friend asked me like, when you started smudging, did you feel like it's what you've always been doing or what you've always been needing to do? And I said, mm-hmm. that's exactly right. It's a great way of putting it. Hmm. So when I started engaging with it, using the resources of the land natural resources to help you cleanse to cleanse you to cleanse your cleanse negativity from from yourself and in the place that you're in the place that you inhabit um that all felt very natural and holistic to me it made a lot of sense in my being so so i think i think for a while i'm going to be in this space of am i home well, I'm getting there. So, yeah. And that's part of it. It's just, just uh, I got to keep walking. So, yeah, there's, I really, like, I really resonate with that. And that this is, um, yeah, it's a journey. And mm-hmm. you're going to, going to keep, keep walking. Yeah. Because there's also, like I know people too who are native and then, and then you also get into the issue of blood quantum, which is like how native, like how much blood sure. is in you, which is a, yeah. a colonizing question to begin with, which is like, okay, what percentage? Oh, well, you're not like that native, right? It's like, yeah. excuse me. That was kind of a way to track people and understand culture as well as like keep tabs (laughs) yeah it's it's complicated um but you have to keep walking because there's a lot of people too that i think inhabit these bodies and maybe aren't connected and it's just 
part of it, it's, it's so systemic, like trying to get answers to where you come from, right? Like trying to understand who you are. That's a lot of work. Like if you don't, and if there's nobody in your family that's also committed to that process with you, that's a very lonely journey. Um, and so, but for me, you know, indigenous mindset around ancestors, which is, you know, which is like, I'm a part of a generation, right? And I, what am I passing along? Well, I, I have to leave. I'm trying to fill in some of the story that's missing. And I'm trying to do that not only on a information level, not only a factual level, but also in my body. So like whatever data that's stored in my body, like I want my kids to look at me and, and say, dad's done the work to come home to who he really is. Um, Cause I want to help. I want to, I hopefully want to help them do that. And if I don't do the work, I surely can't help them do it. So for me, it's very personal. It comes back to the honesty stuff, right? Um, integrity. Who, who, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening, John. Chad, like I said, I really honor um, you sharing your story. Uh, thank you for continuing to speak uh, clearly in ways that give us pause that are going to drive us towards learning. I, I know I know you because I know my experience. This is going to be hard for you to hear, but I would like people to follow you um, to be able to, to learn as you journey. Uh, I know that you are the type of person that will point people to the people you are learning from as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think that I think that it's necessary. In, in both uh, the country that you live in, your country of origin, that um, that non-Indigenous people take the time to sit in a posture of learning uh, and to add to the voices that they're listening to. Uh, and it will be uncomfortable, but, um, but necessary. And so um, you can certainly, you know, take people and point them in all the directions of, of the people that are smarter than you or more connected than you. And I do the exact same thing as a, as a black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, you know, George, George Floyd uh, died and, and, or George Floyd was murdered. And then all of a sudden people in my community remembered that I was black. Right. Um, right. And, but right. I do think that, um, mm. that we have God given perspectives uh, and voices uh, that are inclusive and necessary in this time for the people that we connect with. So for sure, um, you've been a, uh, an important voice to me, uh, and and po- and pointing me in in some places and and giving me pause and making me continue to think uh, and learn. And so, I, I, yeah, I would like I would like people to be able to engage your voice. I know you've um, started doing a bit of writing on Substack. Yeah, a little bit, you know, <laughs> not as much as I'd like to be, but there's a few things. There's a few things there. You got a couple of kids that that gets in the I got a, I got a couple. Time. I got a couple of kids. Um, yeah, I'm on Substack. Uh, what's I don't even know what my handle is, man. What the heck is my handle? Is it? Um, um, well, you can follow me on Twitter um, at brother Cecil underscore. Um, Instagram. 
you are Chad Cecil at Substack. Dot, or Chad Cecil dot Substack. Hey, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you, Substack. Um, yeah, give me a follow. I'd love to connect with you too. Um, whoever you are, whoever's listening, chat, connect, follow, share things, learn together. Thanks, my brother. Thank you, Johnny C. Thank you.